morning, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar, which will be focused on providing you with an overview of the new opioid prescribing data, which is available in your My Practice Primary Care Report, information about additional supports for practice improvement, and most importantly, a time for reflection and discussion with your peers. My name is Maria Cron, and I'm a Quality Improvement Specialist with Health Quality Ontario. And today I'm joined in the room and online by several of my colleagues from HQO, some of whom you'll be hearing from throughout the webinar, and who also work closely on the practice report. I am pleased to report that online today, we have participation at large from family physicians joining us from all across the province and practicing in different primary care models. Before we review today's agenda and I introduce our primary speaker, there are a number of housekeeping items to go over in order to ensure that this one-hour session is as interactive as possible. So please first note that today's session is being recorded and will be posted on our website following the webinar for those who are unable to attend or if you would like to access the recording at a later date or share it with others in your network. So on our agenda today, we will start by hearing from Dr. David Kaplan who will walk through each of the opioid indicators in detail using data from his unique practice report and providing some of his reflections along the way. Next, I'm going to briefly describe a suite of supports collectively known as the Partnered Supports for Opioid Prescribing and Pain Management, which are meant to complement the practice report and further support you in planning for local practice improvement. And then we've reserved approximately one-third of our time today for discussion and are hoping that this will provide you with a good opportunity to dialogue with your peers, to reflect together on the data, and to answer any questions that you may have. In case we do run out of time to answer all of your questions this morning, we will be sure to follow up uh, by email following the webinar. So with that, I would like to now turn it over to Dr. David Kaplan to begin with a review of the indicators. Dr. Kaplan is Health Quality Ontario's Provincial Clinical Lead for Primary Care and practices comprehensive family medicine in North Toronto. Welcome, David. Thank you, Maria. And I want to thank everybody in the room here at HQO for their work in supporting family physicians and nurse practitioners in quality improvement. Bringing quality to primary care is a daunting task, but for us, the committed doctors, nurse practitioners, and other healthcare providers who provide care to more than 13 million people in the province on a daily basis, the magnitude of opportunity to do better is great. So as you heard, I'm a practicing family doctor in North Toronto, and I'm the primary care lead at HQO. And I want to thank you for joining me this morning on our journey to do better. So without further ado, why don't we move on? So what you see here are um, the opioid indicators for those of you who've received your practice report. If you haven't received your practice report yet, or you'd like to, um, or you'd like to follow along uh, with a sample practice report, you could actually just type in Google um, My Practice HQO and get to the Primary Care Practice Report page, and there's a sample for download if you don't have one of your own to follow along with. So in this new practice report that was released in November 2017, we have four new indicators around opioid prescribing. And this is the first time that we've been able to provide prescription-level data to family doctors in the province, and I think it's really exciting. And so these are the four indicators that we're reporting on. The first one is an indicator of prevalence, and this is the percentage of non-palliative patients who have been dispensed an opioid, excluding opioid agonist therapy, uh, within the last six months of the reporting period. 
The second indicator is opioid incidence. <clears throat> and this is the percentage of non-palliative patients dispensed a new opioid within a six-month reporting period. The third indicator is uh, an overall safety indicator, what I like to see is an overall safety indicator. Uh, and this is the percentage of non-palliative patients who receive both an opioid, either by yourself or somebody else within the Ontario healthcare system, and a benzodiazepine within six months of the reporting period. And finally, um, the opioid high-dose indicator. And for this indicator, um, the working group um, of experts had decided uh, to include uh, patients who are receiving a morphine equivalency dose, or MEC, of over 90 within a six-month uh, period from the report date. All of these indicators that you see in your report are either stratified by me, meaning that you, or in this case, you're gonna see my data, that I am the ordering physician for, these, uh, for the medication or by others, somebody else uh, within the healthcare system. I wanna go over, before we get into more specifics, just some key messages um, around opioid prescribing. Um, the first is that we all know that patients with pain need help from us. And what's really important is that all experts advise against rapid tapering or suddenly discontinuing opioids. The experts in our field also advise against terminating the physician-patient relationship in patients who are being prescribed opioids. I also want to let everybody on the call know that at Health Quality Ontario, we have an online forum and called Quorum. And on Quorum, there's a group um, where you can make use of the data available in your My Practice report uh, with additional resources and a way to communicate with others in the field, your colleagues or other uh, non-physicians around how to best manage your patients with opioids. So for instance, one of the first things we did was we uh, posted where to find EMR queries to help break down your practice level opioid data to the patient level data. And there's also a document library, including lots of clinician resources on a variety of topics and patient friendly videos, handouts and posters that you can use in your waiting room or in your examination room. And uh, the link you can see there below um, and you'll be able to find it um, on our webpage as well. So when you open up your practice report, what you find is this dashboard. And right now, because we're focusing on opioid prescribing, I want everybody to focus on the, the data above the dotted uh, line, so the top third of the page. And what you see here are the four indicators um, and some numbers. And so uh, these are the overall, for the 1,100 patients that I look after, this is the overall data that I received. So this is the number of patients dispensed an opioid within the six months from, of the reporting period. The newly uh, dispensed uh, opioid patients of 47, um, the number of patients who've been on both a benzo and an opioid, and the number of patients that when you see here that it lists between one and five with a high dose opioid, it's because our data source, uh, which is the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Science in Ontario, cannot release uh, data uh, to us of under a cell size of five. So when you see that uh, the data is suppressed in this manner where it says either suppressed or one to five, it means that either I have uh, a patient with one, two, three, or four or five uh, that meet this criteria. If I had no patients, it would say zero. If I had six or seven patients, it would give me a specific number. 
Uh, and so that's important uh, to realize. So we'll move on. So when we look at the first indicator of opioid prevalence, you can see right away, if you uh, look at the right side of your screen, that the overall uh, 67 or so patients of mine are broken down to uh, only 23 of them being prescribed by an uh, opioid by myself and 38 uh, by other providers uh, within the Ontario healthcare system. So for me, this was really quite eye-opening because it meant that there were 38 patients in my practice who I was the most responsible physician for who were receiving an opioid. And to be honest, I probably didn't know who they were uh, unless it was somehow um, on my patient's cumulative patient profile on their CPP. When you then go and actually look at uh, the data, you can see trending over time. So you can see overall the Ontario average, which is orange, has been trending downward over time. Um, thankfully, my average and my patient population has been trending downward over time as well to, to reflect the Ontario average. Um, but you can see right away from those bar graphs that the majority of my patients are getting a prescription for an opioid uh, from somebody other than me. I want to also point out that when we list averages, and we, we do that for a number of the indicators, uh, we talk about the provincial average right now being 7.3%, uh, my LIN average, my local health integration network, the area of the province in which I practice is 5.9%. These are for context only, and these do not represent a target. I don't think that uh, many of us could, uh, with the data that we have, uh, identify what an appropriate target uh, would be in the general population right now. I also want to highlight only once uh, this morning that palliative patients are not included. Uh, and these were patients that were identified somewhere in the system, either because they had a hospital visit that was coded as palliative or that you as a family doctor or somebody else in the system billed OHIP a palliative uh, physician billing claim. Um, and it, the medications also, the opioid medications, don't include opioid agonist therapy like you know, uh, methadone. Um, opioid cough and antidiarrheal uh, medications as well. The second indicator is that of uh, opioid incidence. So these are the newly diagnosed, the, the newly dispensed uh, patients uh, within the last six months of the reporting period. Uh, once again, um, this is a very helpful uh, slide to see uh, because my data was suppressed. And so if you look over at the right hand side, um, you can see those little uh, markings that basically mean that. Um, because one of the cells, meaning either the, the, the data, in this case, it's the number of patients that were prescribed by me, was so low, ISIS wouldn't report the data. And that's ISIS, the Institute for Clinical Evaluative Science in Ontario, uh, wouldn't report the data uh, breakdown because if they reported the by others, obviously you could calculate the percentage that's by yourself as well. Um, if the cell size was over five, then uh, that breakdown would be reported. You could almost get a sense of the percentages if you look at the graph um, historically, but you see that it's not being reflected in my March at 17 data, um, which would let you believe that in September 16 on my data, I had over five patients that I was prescribing for, but in uh, the next reporting period, I had under uh, five patients, but not zero patients. Again, um, the provincial averages are reflected uh, there as well. The other thing that I want to highlight on each of these uh, four pages that you're gonna see um, is that there are uh, a number of messages that are key. 
So um, one of the messages, for instance, is sometimes opioid prescriptions are appropriate and the data cannot weigh the benefits against the possible harms and they can't point to practice patterns worthy of reflection. And so the data really only talks to us um, and allows us to give a signal of where we may want to reflect, but the data in and of themselves um, aren't able to uh, guide us at the patient level about what we should do in the clinical uh, setting. The third indicator is like what I said is in my mind uh, an opioid uh, safety indicator uh, and this is an indicator looking at the number of patients in your practice uh, who've been prescribed uh, both uh, a benzodiazepine and an opioid uh, at the same time. Um, you can see that the provincial average is about 1.4%. The average in my group, meaning uh, in my family health organization, uh, is 1% and my LIN is about 1%. Uh, and this is the breakdown uh, in my um, individual practice, which is just under 1%. Um, this, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we know from pharmacology that these two medications enhance the uh, depressant effect of the other and worsening the balance of harms versus uh, benefits. Um, so the expert evidence, even though the supporting evidence is, is not great, is that they should rarely be prescribed uh, together. And that's why we decided to include this as an indicator in this report. Thank you, Maria. The last indicator is uh, the opioid high dose indicator. And these are the uh, proportion of patients in your practice who are actively either by yourself, being prescribed by yourself or by others, a, a MEC of over 90. Um, once again, uh, you can see the provincial average is about 1%. Uh, my group average is about half the provincial average. I can't explain why necessarily, other than we know that there are areas of the province where specifically these percentages are much higher. But again, these uh, are for context only and they do not represent a target. Um, and once again, uh, my data, my breakdown data is suppressed uh, because of the low numbers of patients that are being uh, prescribed uh, high dose in my uh, practice. Um, you can see back in March 16, uh, 2016, there was the availability of that breakdown because of uh, a different amount of patients uh, being prescribed high-dose uh, opioids. So, um, over the last uh, 20, 15 to 20 minutes or so, um, I have sort of gone over those uh, indicators at a very high level. Um, if you had any specific questions about the indicators, um, Sam, or anything that's come up before we move on, or we'll wait for discussion later. I think so far we, we do have two questions online. Sure, I think we can address them now. Uh, the first one um, is asking about the definition of opioid effects, including codeine cup, and I think you've addressed it. Right. And the, the answer is uh, no, opioid cup medication are excluded from um, the definition of opioid that we have. Right, so I'm going to just repeat that question just so everybody can hear it. So the first question online was whether or not um, the opioid prescribing data included opioid cough medication like Hycodin, um, and the answer is no. So um, opioid cough medication for the purposes of this report. In other reports that you've seen, maybe in the media, it does include things like Hycodin, but in the re practice report data that we've sent to family doctors, it does not include opioid cough medication or antidiarrheal medication. The 
second question that we have uh, in the question uh, box is about the provincial average. Is there based on prescription from all specialties, including family medicine? Right. So, uh, excellent question. Uh, the question was whether or not the provincial average is uh, coming from all specialties or just family medicine. So, the data that we have is from the uh, narcotic monitoring system here in Ontario, and that would include family uh, physicians, uh, other specialists, uh, physician specialists within, within the system, so surgeons and emergency room physicians and general internists and anesthetists, um, and it would also uh, include dentists. So that average is coming from a, uh, a single source in the province, but uh, multiple different prescribers. Great. So um, with that, I'm going to uh, pass it back to uh, my colleague Maria, who's going to talk about the partnered supports uh, for opioid prescribing and pain management that uh, we've been happy to uh, chair here at uh, Health <coughs> Ontario. Great. Thank you, David. So just before our open discussion time, I briefly want to talk about a collective and ongoing effort by the group of partners that you see listed on this slide uh, to co coordinate and to deliver additional supports to you on the topic of opioid prescribing and pain management. At a high level, the goals of this integrated work are really centered on supporting clinicians in the province to help patients in the best possible management of pain, uh, whether that be through providing data, education, peer mentorship opportunities, or improving access to alternative therapies. So slide 16, which you now see, is very difficult to read on the webinar, but it endeavors to provide you with an overview of these supports. The supports that are currently available to you right now are highlighted in bold, and these include the following. So digital tools are available through Ontario MD, like eConsult and the EMR dashboard. The dashboard is now being piloted and can help you optimize the data that's in your EMR with support from EMR practice enhancement consultants and peer leaders who can actually help you um, in your practice leverage your EMR to get at the patient level data. The Association of Family Health Teams of Ontario through their algorithm project team has developed a standardized EMR search that you can now access and you can run this in your practice with um, and will help you build an opioid use registry. Um, so this really allows you to actually drill down to find out exactly who those patients are that may be represented in your practice report at the, and the practice level data. Um, the first query that's been developed is available for our three major EMRs, which include TELUS PS Suite, Akiro, and Oscar. And this query focuses on identifying patients in your practice um, who have a current prescription for opioids. Um, queries to get at concomitant prescribing of an opioid and a benzodiazepine and for high-dose opioid prescriptions are also in development um, and will be coming soon. As well, the College of Family Physicians has a collaborative mentoring network that can connect you with a mentor who has experience in treating addictions and pain and to help you navigate uh, some of those more complex clinical situations around opioids, uh, pain, and addiction. Uh, this program is also Main Pro Plus certified, and intake, if you're interested in either being a mentor or a mentee, is done through the OCFP's website. Next, Project ECHO provides case-based learning that is also CME accredited and conducted virtually 
through video conferencing sessions with interprofessional paint specialist teams. And finally, there is an accredited uh, course through the University of Toronto's Faculty of Medicine called Safer Opioid Prescribing. Um, that is also a mix of both in-person and virtual learning. Uh, the next thing is that there are a number of supports listed on this slide that are not bolded. And these are supports that are currently being developed and will soon be made widely accessible to you. So these include the ability to access uh, your patient's clinically relevant drug and pharmacy service information to assist you with the pain medication review process um, at the point of care. Um, and this is coming soon via the Digital Health Drug Repository. Um, more information um, about how to access these resources can be um, found through eHealth Ontario. As well, one-on-one um, -on -one educational outreach visits, also known as academic detailing, on a number of topics related to opioid prescribing and pain management will be available this spring uh, through the Centre for Effective Practice. And finally, at Health Quality Ontario, uh, we are engaging with a broad um, range of stakeholders in the field to develop three quality standards that outline what quality care looks like for people with acute or chronic pain who are considering opioid therapy and for people with opioid use disorder. Um, if you log on to our website, hqontario.ca, under evidence to improve care, um, you can see that the draft quality standards have now been posted. Um, and they will be finalized and released on, uh, alongside supporting materials um, also in springtime of this year. So just in summary, um, these resources are really about helping you to reflect on your practice, uh, learn how to optimize and leverage your EMR to get at uh, patient level data, and then support you um, to help your patients with alternative pain management options. Uh, there's a gener general increase inbox for this work that we are coordinating. Um, so for more information or questions, please direct them to painqi at hqontario.ca. Um, so I think with that, um, just as we go into our discussion time, we are going to now launch a bit of a poll um, just to find out um, a little bit more about how familiar you are uh, with the supports that were just described. And the results of this poll, we're hoping will be useful to inform any future communications and outreach that we may do with primary care physicians um, about improving access to the supports um, that I just talked about. Um, so Tracy, as we can, uh, please launch the poll. Sure. There we go. So you should see a poll in front of you now. Um, we'll give you a couple of seconds to uh, log in your answer. Okay, we'll give it about five more seconds and then I'll close the poll. Great, thanks everybody for responding. Uh, I'm going to share your results now. All right, 
So the results are shared and it says that 9% of you said that I am very familiar and have accessed some of these resources that Maria's talked about. 45% uh, of you um, split between, 45% uh, have said that you're somewhat familiar and you plan to access resources, and another 45% says you're not familiar but you are interested in learning more about it. And, but you that 0% said that you don't think these resources are useful for your practice. <laughs> and we're happy to hear that. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So for that 45% that said you're not familiar and interested in learning more, we can follow up with you guys. Um, and I will pass it back to Maria now. Great. So I think that's a nice kind of segue into the more informal part of today's webinar. Um, so this is now kind of a time for discussion where we can either answer any questions you may have on anything that was presented today or um, just kind of open it up to a bit of a, a roundtable discussion on, on the data and what supports may be available. Um, so something um, for us to know is that if there is anything, any additional support that you really feel you need, either to dig into your data further or to plan for local practice improvement. We would love to hear about those as well. Um, and so you can uh, please submit your questions or raise your hand and we can unmute you and uh, begin our discussion. So Maria, if you want to just advance to the next slide, that is a bit of a reminder slide just to remind you of how to join the webinar. Uh, or how to participate. So once again, you can raise your hand and uh, we can unmute you. Um, or alternatively, you can type in a question in the chat box and we can share your question with the group. Okay, we'll just give you guys a couple of seconds to uh, chime in. Oh, I see there are a couple of hands raised. Um, okay, I am going to unmute. I'm going to try to unmute. Uh, so, um, one thing I should have called out at the very beginning, if you are joining by phone, um, in order for us to unmute you, you need to uh, punch in your audio pin into your phone and that will allow us to mute and unmute you from our end. So that audio pin number uh, you should see on your control panel just underneath uh, the phone number to dial in. Okay? So, uh, all right, I was not able to unmute you. I'm going to send you an unmute request. And Catherine Ruth, uh, I'm going to try to unmute you. Um, yes, yeah, so um, I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? Okay, so the question I have is, um, is there any way of breaking down the data of what other providers are doing? Because when I looked at my data, I was relatively pleased in what my prescribing is, but then there are huge numbers of other providers. And what I want to know, is it somebody going to another family doctor, so double doctoring? Is it a dentist, short term? Is it ortho, which I'm assuming is a lot of it. Um, mm -hmm. So is there any way of breaking the data down of the other providers? Because otherwise, I'm thinking I don't know how helpful this information is if I'm trying to look at what my patients are being prescribed. Yeah, so I think, um, Catherine, I think that's a wonderful question. And as you saw from my data, um, I have a, a very similar uh, situation in my practice. Um, at the current time, um, we have not been able to report uh, to break it down and, and report. 
Um, we definitely are in discussions with different partners within the system to, similar to the screening activity report, um, where we get um, screening uh, information about specific patients. We're looking to be able to provide uh, family physicians with a list of the patients who are uh, receiving opioids. Um, and uh, obviously that would be uh, ideal. Um, and then you could also, if you had suspicion uh, about a patient, um, you could uh, search through the um, digital health drug repository once it, once it comes online uh, in the next uh, number of months. Um, what I've done because of uh, seeing my data uh, is basically uh, trying to do some case finding. Uh, I've added a, a question at my preventative uh, health visits uh, for my patients uh, over 18, though maybe one could argue even you could ask even younger than that, uh, around the use of um, uh, either street uh, opioids uh, or opioids from other sources. Uh, and in interestingly enough, um, it actually, one of my patients uh, screened positive um, about uh, six weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and, and I actually received a, a report over the holidays that actually he, he has uh, followed up and has been started on um, opioid um, replacement therapy. Uh, so, um, I mean, I think that's what we can do as looking at a, as our population as a population at risk right now, but we are definitely working, uh, you know, across the system to provide, uh, hopefully be able to provide the specific uh, patient level data, because I think that would be amazing. All right. Thank you, Catherine. I'm going to mute you again now unless there's a follow-up question. Okay. Uh, Bharat, I am going to try to unmute you again now. Try. Oh. So it says you are still, uh, I'm still not able to unmute you. So perhaps you can type your question into the question box and we can share it with everyone. So while we are waiting for that, a couple of questions have come into the uh, question box. Sam, do you want to share? Yeah, one question is around uh, electronic medical records. Uh, so um, the physician is not with one of the big three uh, EMR vendors. Uh, how can I go about encouraging my provider to produce the queries that you Sure. So um, the question was, uh, around using uh, your EMR to find uh, patients that are on opioids, your list of patients. Uh, and this specific uh, physician uh, is not using uh, one of the um, three large uh, vendors in the province, and how would they go about it? I think the best thing to do uh, would to uh, be contact your local peer uh, support uh, leader at Ontario MD. Um, hopefully they will know how to run queries and help uh, work with you to um, just create a query. Uh, what would be great is that if you actually do create that query for uh, your EMR to share it back with us at Quorum so we can share it with other people, uh, other physicians and nurse practitioners across the province, that would be great. Uh, but I would just direct you, I actually just sent out a tweet uh, with the link uh, to find out who your peer support lead is. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, but otherwise, um, if you go to the Ontario MD page and look for peer leaders, you should be able to find the peer leader for your EMR. Another question. Uh, my struggle is to wean those high opioid users to new guidelines. The difficulty in accessing pain clinic in my area and the patient resistance to come up. Right. 
Um, so I think this is a question about uh, a physician or nurse practitioner who's very interested in being able to wean uh, his or her patients who are on high uh, dose opioids to lower dose, um, and the struggle with accessing resources in, the, in uh, their area of the province. Uh, I think this is a, a great opportunity to consider something like the uh, OCFP peer support um, medical mentorship network um, to uh, gain uh, additional skill set um, to possibly almost think about becoming a resource to your area, not just to your patients around uh, opioid uh, replacement therapy. Uh, and I would direct uh, the you to the Ontario College of Family Physicians uh, peer support. Uh, or peer mentoring uh, network. I think that's probably uh, your best bet in the short term. One more question. Since the majority of new scripts are from other providers, how do how to access this information? Sure. So uh, this is a question again um, because the, this clinician uh, sees that the majority of their new scripts are coming from other providers and wants to know how would I find out who those patients are. So just as I mentioned uh, at the first question, uh, right now we're not providing uh, patient level data. Um, so there isn't a specific way to do it. Um, if you were interested, so for instance, if you had a patient who recently had a hip replacement and you were uh, interested to know what sort of narcotics they were prescribed post-operatively, once the digital drug repository uh, comes online in the next number of months, you'd be able to, in the same way that you search OLIS, I'd uh, be able to search the um, the digital drug repository and find out who prescribed uh, what pain medication for that patient uh, and how much they received. So I think you could do some case finding if you know that your patients had a, a touch point in the system. Same thing if you had a notification that uh, your patient was seen in the emergency department for kidney stones uh, and you wanted to know how much narcotic they had um, been prescribed, uh, you'd be able to find it that way as well. Again, we've definitely heard loud and clear from people across the province that getting um, that more granular data would be extremely helpful. Another question that we have is who is providing e-consultation? Um, so the question was about who's providing e-consultation. Um, can whoever asked that question, can they be a little more specific? Do you mean the on the current e-consult platform, or what are you referring to? Okay. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to jump into sure. the next questions. How we get uh, e-consultation with pain specialists? I have inherited patients who were started on high-dose opioids. I find it difficult to taper the opioid dose. Could you please suggest some pain specialist names? Ah, so, uh, <laughs> uh, not offhand, I can't suggest some pain specialist names. Um, what I would suggest uh, doing, um, if you um, Google e-consult, so e-consult and then the letters O-T-N, um, you'll be able to uh, find out about the provincial e-consult service um, that is uh, run by the Ontario Telemedicine Network. I use this all the time for a variety of uh, different clinical questions. Um, the other thing that's really helpful about this service is that it's actually billable both by the family physician um, and the uh, specialist who's providing the e-consult. Uh, the billing is outside of the basket for those people who are in a capitated model. Um, and I think that it's not just solely around uh, pain management, but all sorts of areas of your practice. It's a wonderful resource, especially if your patients um, 
have limited access to specialists in your area. Uh, and you can consult um, either a specific physician or send it out to the entire provincial group. So if this was a question about uh, a pain medication in a patient with uh, a rheumatologic disease, you could pick a specific rheumatologist that provides e-consults or just send it out to the whole group and the first rheumatologist that wants to answer it will get back to you. So again, Google uh, e-consult space OTN. We had a clarification on the previous question of who providing, uh, who's providing consultation. It's about e-consultation for pain. E-consultation for pain. Um, so I offhand, I'm just looking right now, because as we're, I, that's what I thought it was. Um, there, the special, the e-consult specialties uh, by OTN are listed by um, their CPSO specialist designation. Um, so it's hard for me to know offhand. Um, there are definitely people providing e-consultation in physiatry, uh, in physical medicine and rehabilitation, in a rheumatology, as I mentioned, um, and uh, in orthopedic surgery. And actually, I do see that there are some uh, general practice physicians specializing in pain management that are providing e-consultations. So again, you should be able to access that whole group uh, by signing up for your OTN e-consults uh, account. Great. Thanks, David. Um, so that was Bharat who was able to take many questions. I apologize for the audio. <coughs> uh, so Bharat has also asked, could you please share some of my um, SQL queries for author to find the individual patients on opioids? Right. So the um, queries for Oscar uh, are available um, on the AFTO website. The AFTO is the Association for Family Health Teams of Ontario. They have made those uh, queries available uh, to all physicians uh, across the province, not just family health team physicians. So if you uh, do go to our quorum site, uh, you'll be able to find a link uh, to that. Um, alternatively, uh, if you have trouble installing the query, I would again direct you to um, Ontario MD's peer support leaders who could help you install that query on OSCAR, but otherwise if you know how to do it yourself, you could just download the query from the Association of Family Health Teams of Ontario website. And just to follow up on that, David, um, the really busy slide, uh, slide 17, with the overview of supports, which um, also listed um, made mention of the queries. Uh, we will send that out around by email, uh, a version that has each of the supports hyperlinked to the specific websites that David has mentioned today, um, just so that it can be kind of a bit of a, a go-to resource for you. So I think we'll follow up after the webinar um, uh, with that support as well. Yeah. And we did get a note uh, from some of our saying that they weren't able to download the handout from the webinar, so we will send that out afterwards as well, too, once the recording is up. So we do have a raised hand from uh, Jose. So, Jose, I'm going to unmute you so you can talk. All right, Jose, you should be unmuted now. Can you hear me? It's a little muffled, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm just trying to understand one of those reports. When I see the amount of opioids dispensed that I have the same profile as some of my colleagues already mentioned, which is the majority is prescribed by other professionals, and I have the numbers here. 
When I move down the next slide, and we are talking about prescriptions done within the last six months, the numbers are on average four to uh, five percent. I have over a thousand patients, so we would be talking about 50 or more patients. But then I don't get those numbers. I get the cross as if they were from one to five. What would be the reason for that? Ah, so the reason, so the question is about why the total numbers show up on your dashboard, but you're getting the cross or that little hatch mark that's saying that the data is suppressed. Um, and that's exactly the same. Uh, Maria, if you, I don't know if you're able to go back to my uh, data. Uh, I believe it's slide two. So if you actually, if you go back to the dashboard, you'll see on my dashboard, it says I have 47 <coughs> patients who were newly dispensed an opioid in the last six months. But if you actually go to the um, breakdown of that opioid incidence, uh, you'll see that that across uh, or hatch mark um, appears as well. And that's because the number of patients that you have prescribed, much like the number of patients that I have prescribed, is under five and not zero. And that's why the actual breakdown is not available. Um, it's again, it, it's a privacy concern. Uh, it's too, it's the, the sample, the cell size is too small and ISIS is unable to provide that data uh, to us under their privacy uh, obligations. Oh, I see. I understand. Okay. Well, thank you. It, it, all it's telling you is you have very few patients that you're newly prescribing opioids to. Okay. Well, the good thing. Yeah. Dr. Katham, yes. I have a question about providing more context about ECHO. Mm -hmm. Let me provide more context or information about it. Yeah, for sure. So um, the question uh, online was about providing more context uh, around ECHO. So Project ECHO um, is uh, quite a neat uh, project. Um, the one that I'm referring to uh, is ECHO for chronic pain. Um, ECHO was started as a way uh, to um, increase the capacity of primary care providers uh, in the United States of America um, who have limited access uh, to specialty care. So, for instance, in this case, in the original case, I believe it was uh, the treatment of hepatitis C. Um, and we have uh, created an, in Ontario uh, a number of ECHO programs uh, one for hepatitis C, one for care of the elderly, uh, rheumatology, but one also for mental health and addictions. Um, and a, 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 a subgroup of that is one around chronic pain and opioids. Um, and the way uh, Project ECHO works, it's a, a weekly two-hour uh, video conference. Um, quite remarkable. I, I was part of one in December uh, just to see uh, the technology of getting these people all over the province and, and multiple little video screens at the same time. You can actually see the people who are almost attending these rounds with you. It's a two hour session um, that includes about a 20 minute uh, didactic presentation uh, related to pain care, followed by one to two case presentations by participants. So if you become part of that Project ECHO group um, and you had patients that you wanted to present to get some advice around, um, that's a one way to do it. And um, so if you were to go to echoontario.ca, you can find out more and find out um, how to uh, become a member of that uh, ECHO group. But it is quite a, a novel, very neat way to connect with uh, colleagues um, and to gain some didactic teaching around pain management and, uh, and opioids. You can do it. I think it's uh, it starts at 1230 on Thursdays. So. 
Um, the first hours over lunch, and then the second hour um, extends uh, into the first hour of your clinic. So you'd have to, if you run a Thursday afternoon clinic, you'd have to adjust things, but it does start over lunchtime. Any other questions with Sam there in the box? Any other questions? Raised hands? Uh, I don't see any raised hands at the moment. Okay. Um, could give a couple of minutes, maybe people are still questions. I think you answered this question, and yeah. uh, it was the follow-up to the echo about how you get involved. Right, yeah. So the follow-up, uh, just how would you get involved if, at Project Echo is something you're interested in? Um, Project Echo, sorry, echoontario.ca, E-C-H, Ontario.ca, um, and you can find out about all the different echoes that with uh, for different clinical conditions, but specifically chronic pain and opioids, and you can find out how to become involved. Um, and um, I'm just going to give it another minute in case there are other questions. Um, I um, just one uh, specific uh, question uh, that's come up uh, for, for us. Uh, here at Health Quality Ontario uh, that may just be of uh, interest. Um, can the uh, future report include uh, medical marijuana prescription data? I thought that was quite a, a neat question. I think it came from somebody who is concerned that as we uh, are more aware of prescribing opioids, are we going to increase uh, our medical marijuana prescribing? Uh, right now, we've identified as a topic to be explored, and it would obviously be subject to data availability, but I thought that was a very uh, thoughtful question. Um, in my mind, it's almost a balancing measure. Uh, you know, do we, as our opioid prescribing rates go down, are we going to see an increase in, in medical marijuana prescribing rates? Uh, and that would be kind of a very important measure for us as a system to look at. Uh, so I just wanted to share that uh, question uh, and answer with uh, the participants on the call. Um, I don't think that we're seeing any further questions. So I want to thank uh, everybody for joining us uh, this morning. We, as you heard, we will be reposting this along with the slides uh, and the links to all the resources that we talked about today. We have a number of upcoming events at Health Quality Ontario. Uh, the first is a leadership panel discussion uh, for our regional quality rounds. These are held over lunchtime. You can uh, join from your clinic room, the web browser. If you go to uh, Health Quality Ontario to Quality Rounds, uh, you can find out how to register. That's happening on Thursday, January 18th. It's entitled Addressing Opioid Use in Ontario, Reducing Harm and Improving Care. And secondly, there are a number of sessions uh, that are being run by Ontario MD. The one in Toronto, unfortunately, is already sold out. If you're a Toronto-based physician, but there is one in, in Kingston on January 17th and uh, in Kitchener-Waterloo area on January 31st. And again, you can go to the Ontario MD website to find out more and learn how to register. So again, I want to thank everybody for joining us. If you have any questions, you can email us at uh, practicereport at hqontario.ca. We'll post that uh, email as well. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.